Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan, and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the GM Draft. Mary Kate Cabot, Douglas Maurice, Ashley Bastock, me. We're picking GMs. Uh, we're going to do three each, so you do the math there. Three, five, three times four. That's 12 GMs that we're going to pick to kind of see where Andrew Barry ends up. Spoiler alert, he does end up in the top 12. So that's all coming up here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. If you're not a Football Insider subscriber, hey, Combine time is coming up. We're about... Gosh, we're less than two weeks away, so you want to get involved in Football Insider now. Why? Because you get a newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day. I wrote today's, so you missed it if you're not a Football Insider subscriber. You can become one of our text subscribers, and of course you get access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash brown. So cleveland.com slash brown is the blue banner at the top of the page. Get info, get signed up for Football Insider. All right, here we go. Our Friday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on our Friday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. We are going to draft GMs. Our draft order here uh, to kick us off, Mary Kay will go number one. Doug will go number two. I'll go number three. Ashley will go number four. We're only going to pick 12 GMs, so we're only going three rounds here. Uh, I, I'm going to be honest with everyone. As I was putting together this list, there were some guys where I was like, wait, who? What? <laughs> what team? Who's the GM of this team? Some new faces we're still getting used to here. At least I know I know I am. So we're only going to go 12 deep. And the point here is to kind of see where Andrew Barry ends up. Um, so, Mary Kay, you are up with pick number one. Well, this might be the ultimate in recency bias. Um, but I am going to go with less need of the Rams. And the reason why I'm picking less need here at number one uh, is because he was so incredibly aggressive in assembling this Super Bowl winning team. Uh, I mean, he just basically went out and made this happen. Not only did he hire Sean McVay, which we have all agreed uh, is one of the absolute best coaches in the NFL. Uh, Then he went out and gave Sean McVay everything he needed to be successful. It didn't matter that they were going to have all this dead cap money with Jared Goff. They went out and traded for Matt Stafford. How can you argue with a move like that? Matt Stafford had never won a Super Bowl and done some of these other things. It was not a slam dunk that he was going to be able to do that, Uh, but they took the chance. They did it. They made a big, big, huge, bold move, and that wasn't it. They didn't stop there. Uh, They went out and did a number of other things. Uh, First of all, they let go of guys that you would think, uh, you know, would have been able to help them get to the Super Bowl. 
like John Johnson and Troy Hill, but they weren't afraid to let guys like that go and usher in some new faces and some new names. Uh, one of those was they traded for Von Miller and look at the impact that he had in the Super Bowl. So, I, I mean, that was just a tremendous, tremendous trade that they made. And then, um, and then of course, signing Odell Beckham Jr. Look, at the time, they had Cooper Cup and they had Robert Woods. Did not stop them from signing Odell Beckham Jr. Now, it wasn't a big, huge financial commitment. It was almost a no-brainer. But still, they had to do it. I mean, there was a lot of thought, even by Cleveland Browns' John Johnson III, that maybe that might upset the apple cart a little bit, that maybe there might be, you know, a little bit of tension between Cooper Cup and an Odell Beckham Jr. How is that all going to work out? Well, he went out and he did it anyways. So he rolled the dice. He continued to roll it and it paid off in a huge way. He's my number one. I th- Look, we could argue, I think, other guys in this spot. But I, I think this is this is more than just recency bias. And, and maybe this is, is different if they don't win the Super Bowl or if they lose in the divisional round or something. But I think in totality, what Les Snead has done, even going back to when he took Aaron Donald at number 13, you know, if you remember in that draft, they actually took Greg Robinson number two. And then they turn around and still get Aaron Donald in that draft. Um, going and getting Jalen Ramsey, building this team the way he's built it. He's drafted pretty well. And sometimes knowing when to roll the dice is a quality, it's a really good quality in a GM. Like knowing when it's time, like we're going for it. We're going all in. We're going to take a chance. We're going to wear a shirt that says, I don't know if I'm not going to say it on the pod because I don't want to get that explicit tag on me. Knowing when to go all in is, is a trait in a GM. And also knowing when you've messed up and knowing when it's time to make a change. Like I took Jared Goff, number one overall. It's not working we're going to, we're going to move on. So I, I think Les Snead has done a really, really good job there. Even, you know, letting John Johnson go. That was John Johnson was the reason the Browns won the offseason Super Bowl again last year, but guess what? Les Snead just won the real Super Bowl. So I, you know, you could nitpick this. You could say, well, I wouldn't take him. I take this guy or that guy, but I, I think Les Snead would have gone pretty early in this draft. Had he not gone number one. I don't know who would nitpick it. Like I, I think he's, at the moment, pretty clearly the guy here, because the one thing is everything you guys just said, most of what the Rams have done with this team is proactive that, you know, for instance, if you're trying to evaluate the Bengals, right? Well, one of the key things they did is take Joe Burrow. Number one. Well, everybody would take Joe Burrow. Number one, he was the obvious number one pick. They just happened to have the number one pick that year. But when you look at the key players, you know, Donald at that spot in the first round and that less needs been there for a decade. So he, every part of this team, he he's done this Cooper cup in the third round, the Stafford trade, the Jalen Ramsey trade, you know, everything. There's not a lot here that just happened to them, which I do think as we evaluate GMs, you know, you, you have to do, well, what was the thing they did that everybody, you know, Doug Maurice would have done that thing too. Cause it was so obvious. And there's not a lot of obvious with the Rams. So for people like us, I mean, we don't spend our whole lives analyzing GMs, but I think even if you did spend your whole life analyzing GMs, this is a proactive approach to building a team. And then even something like this, we were just talking about this. um, Our Monday Buckeye talk podcast is could a team of all Ohio state players make the Super Bowl? And we were talking about Jordan Fuller 
who was a sixth round pick of the Rams as a second year player this year was a captain. He's a safety was a captain was a green dot guy. They basically let John Johnson go and Jordan Fuller as a second year guy who was a sixth round pick just steps right in and like takes over that defense. What a sixth round pick that is. What a third round pick Cooper cup is. So I, I, I definitely would have taken Snead number one. And I would love to hear the argument from anybody who's like, Oh no, 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 no. That's wrong. Cause I think it's right on Mary Kay. Yeah, it will not be me to make that argument because that's probably who I would have picked too. And, you know, I do think of all the drafts we've done between the head coaching draft, the quarterback draft, and now this, like, even if there is recency bias in this draft or more recency bias, like, I think that's okay. And we talk about with these teams all the time, not just the Browns. I mean, I think in general, in the NFL, windows to win championships are not that large. You don't have a ton of time. So credit to him for, like Doug said, being proactive and making these moves to ensure it happened. And obviously if you saw the shirt, the F them pick shirt or whatever it said, (laughs) again, no explicit tag. I mean, he, he did what he had to do. And at the end of the day, it worked. And if this is about Super Bowls, then it was a good strategy. Yeah. And, and, you know, understanding the moment, like when they moved to LA, right now, you've got to change how you're, how you're doing things because now you're going to LA and you've got to establish yourself. So you can't just sit there and, tout graphics you got to have star power you got to have you got to have guys that people are going to gravitate to so you can establish yourself in this giant new stadium and and Mary Kay you brought this up I don't know if any of us kind of latched onto this but the Sean McVay thing is very important and I, I heard someone saying last week that it was kind of when they hired Sean McVay again he rolled the dice this guy was really young but the way they looked at it was two years from now, he's going to be the hot commodity. So we're going to hire him now. And that that's obviously worked out fantastically. Is that a word? So fantastically. That's obviously worked out for them very well. <laughs> this is the sixth year in a row. They won't make a first round pick. They don't pick this year in the draft until the fifth round. Yeah. But when you look at the first round picks that Les Snead has made, his last first round pick was taking Jared Goff, number one in 2016. So Jared Goff in 2016, Todd Gurley in 2015, Greg Robinson, number two in 2014. Obviously, Donald, as you mentioned, number 13 in 2014. 2013, Tavon Austin and Alec Ogletree. And 2012, his first draft, Michael Brockers. That's one hit. Like, Gurley was good, but then he got hurt. So no wonder he bailed on first-round picks. But this is, this is a philosophy. And it's not, to your point, Dan, I do think the sizzle matters a little bit. So let's give up. Let's not bank on picks. Let's get some veterans. But th- there's a lot of substance to it, too. And I think the thing that stands out, too, is that it's different with, than what other people doing, and it worked. So it'll be curious to see. We've talked about already, will that influence, how, how would that influence any team? Will it influence the Browns? But, man, um, this is a way of doing business, and they just, they're having, they just had a Super Bowl parade. And, you know, the other thing is I think they saw – that, uh, that, you know, Jason Light did some similar things and, and got a Super Bowl out of it. And, uh, you know, not that they copied that, but there is this little all-in trend going on right now. The last two Super Bowls were won by teams that just went for it, completely went for it. And so you just, you have to give them credit. And I just like the whole vibe. Uh, I think, you know, they've got a, they have a cool, culture it's perfect for LA isn't it like their players are cool they're cool Les Need has good hair you know Sean McVay's cool <laughs> it's it's you know 
I mean, they're they're L.A. I mean, they they should have they should have won the Super Bowl. They've got Odell with his purple hair. <laughs> right, and, and Doug, to your point, I think we're going to talk about this with a few GMs. Like you might look at their draft history and be like, oh, they kind of missed on a, on a lot of these, but they figure it out and they they hit they kind of hit when it matters. All right, uh, Doug, you're up at number two. So I don't know. <laughs> I, Scott Patsko's not here. Scott Patsko said. I don't really know much about GMs and I'm not that interested in drafting GMs. So he's not on this podcast. I just would like to say that the four of us will not let a lack of information and a lack of insight stop (laughs) us from talking. So I don't know. I'm going to take a guy who I think is the opposite of this in, in a lot of ways that he has built a successful team that is a lot of what the Browns want to do. There's a lot of alignment here. They've hit on some picks. Some of the picks lately maybe haven't hit quite as much. They have made some good trades, but I think they've built something that has worked and is sustainable, and they're not necessarily all in every year, but they're it's it's bit by bit. And so uh, what's his first name? <laughs> it's like, oh, i got to take that guy. <laughs> Disclosure, Dan Lobby typed together a list for us that we could have to reference. Is it Billy? Is it Billy Bean? Is it Brand, Billy Brandon Bean? Bean? Brandon Bean. Billy Very Bean, close. they made a movie about him. This could be the sequel. <laughs> right. They could make the Brandon Bean movie and make a movie about him. <laughs> so I'll take Brandon Bean from Buffalo, who you get credit for the Josh Allen pick. Um, they've been, uh, so, again, sort of earlier on, uh, what, Tredavious White, Tray- Traymon Edmonds. Tremaine Edmonds um, were some good, you know, Dawson Knox, the tight end has hit for him. Ed Oliver as a first rounder has been pretty good. Like I, I, they've built, I think they've built something sustainable. Gabriel Davis, they took in the fourth, uh, fourth round a couple of years ago. He had like four touchdowns in the AFC playoffs. So, you know, uh, Allen's a lot of this, the Stefan Diggs trade is a lot of this, but they've built it bit by bit. And it feels like the bills aren't going anywhere. So you know, I wouldn't fight people who say this is too high, but I feel like he's pretty good at his job. I, I don't think many people are going to say this is too high. I, you know, when we, before we hit record, and I should have said this off the top, we, we kind of said our standard would be if you're an owner and you want to hire a GM to build your team, who's it going to be? And I think Brandon Bean would not last very long if you just, you know, if, if everything were even and you could just pick whoever you wanted, I think Brandon Bean would go very, very quickly. Uh, he, he's done a great job in Buffalo. And, uh, you know, the Stefan Diggs trade again, that moment, right? Here's our opportunity. Let's go get this guy because he's perfect for our quarterback and he's exactly what we need. And he fits in this wide open offense. We run around, we want to run. So let's shoot our shot and go get this guy uh, along with everything else. You guys are going to talk about sort of, sort of one of those analytics driven guys as well. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, this is a, a fine spot for Brandon Bean. I had Brandon Bean really high. I had him number four, uh, but I'll tell you what, I could have just as easily put him, uh, you know, two or three as well, because uh, I really like what Brandon Bean has done. One of the best things that Brandon Bean, of course, ever did uh, was draft Josh Allen, trade up to get Josh Allen at a time when there were plenty of people in the NFL that did not know what to make of Josh Allen. Okay. Um, I, I intended to write about this a couple of weeks ago when I was at the, at the senior bowl and I never actually did it. Hopefully I will still get a chance to do it. But I mean, I rem- I talked to a lot of people at the senior bowl that year about Josh Allen 
And there were, you know, vastly different opinions on, on Josh, Josh Allen and what he might become. And, um, and a lot of that was because he was a, basically an, an inaccurate college quarterback, or at least his completion percentage was in the 50s. And so people didn't know what to make of that. But Brandon Bean knew what to make of that. And that's where I think you earn your keep as a GM. When, as you mentioned, Doug, before, like, not everybody could have made that trade up. Not everybody could have made that pick. Not everybody knew what they were looking at, right? Not everybody understood that he could be what he has become. So I think you get a lot of brownie points for something just like that. Then, you know, you got to, you got to pair him with the, uh, Stefan Diggs. You can't take a thoroughbred at quarterback and then not give him somebody great to throw the ball to, you know, you've got to do that. Uh, so he was able to do that, put together a really good freaking defense. And I like defense. I really like defense a lot. And I think he was on the cusp of undersell these days. And now other teams are like jumping on the bandwagon. Hey, let's go out and get ourselves some pass rushers, right? It's not just about the passing game on the offensive side of the ball. It's about stopping the passing game. That's so vitally important. And they've been in the playoffs for, for three straight years. And, you know, you, you know, you can say, oh, well, you know, some of his successes because of Josh Allen. Well, he had to identify that Josh Allen was going to be successful. So I'm a huge Brandon Bean fan. He's also got a great name. And uh, I think that counts for something, but I don't mind him at number two at all. If, if I knew that Mary Kay was going to give a Josh Allen speech, I wouldn't have picked Brandon Bean. <laughs> a podcast no, you're right. I mean, it's one of those things. It's, it's, that, that's, that's, the, that's a huge thing. And we're going to find other people like this. That when If you identify a quarterback that not everybody identified and you hit, I mean, Mary Kay, it's like, it's job one for any GM find a franchise quarterback. And especially yeah. when it's not obvious that the, the points you score for that are so through the roof Huge. that it, it carries your reputation deservedly. So for de- for a decade. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I think Mary Kay really hit the nail. I, I like genuinely don't have anything else to add because I was <laughs> going to bring up the, the Josh Allen, um, the way they evaluated him and have since, you know, turned him into what he is, today we've had many a conversation recently on recent podcasts about that so definitely think he was worthy of being taken in the first round and i guess also just add real quick like hiring brian dable as the offensive coordinator was a great again mary Kay that you gave alan a weapon you hired a great offensive coordinator now they're going to have to figure out Mm -hmm. how to replace him now that he's a giants head coach but man that that was a perfect move too and obviously sean mcdermott had a lot to do with that but but that again, you, you fit pieces around a franchise guy to help him succeed. And hiring yep. Sean McDermott, right? right? I mean, look, Andrew Barry and Paul D. Podesta wanted to do that. And they did not. And, and Sashi Brown, I'm sorry, wanted to do that. And they didn't get the opportunity to do that. But Brandon Bean did it. And that was a hell of a hire. I, I think it's a Doug, when we did the coach draft, you, you mentioned that you were kind of holding coaches that had quarterbacks kind of holding that against them a little bit. I think it's different with GMs because especially the guys that actually go pick that quarterback that don't inherit him, that, that almost gives them more points because that's the position that as a GM almost defines you in a lot of ways. All right. At number three, I, I don't think this is too high. I think this is, if I was, if I was an owner, I would take this guy to build my team. 
And I'm doing this in part as well, just because I don't want Ashley to end up with him. I'm going to take, I'm going to take Tom Telesco. Mm. Kind of a forgotten guy, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, one of Andrew Barry's, he's the guy that actually found Andrew Barry. He found him in a, in a program. Um, he went to a Harvard game. They were doing some scouting. And he got a hold of a program and saw Andrew Barry's profile and said, let's, let's find out about this guy. Let's, let's see if we can hire him. So I think Tom Telesco knows how to build a football team. Now, the Chargers haven't won big during his tenure. Uh, but they end up getting Justin Herbert to replace Phillip Rivers. He's drafted a lot of really talented players, you know, just off the top of my head, Derwin James, Mike Williams, uh, Joey Bosa, uh, Slater, the left tackle this year, uh, number one pick, might have been one of the best draft picks in, in the entire draft. He's just really good at building a football team and finding talent in the draft. And the Chargers every single year, are usually among the most talented teams in the league. And so I, I think Tom Telesco kind of gets undervalued in some ways. I think he's well-respected. I think people know he's a good GM, but because it's the Chargers and they've moved and they're second fiddle in LA now and they were never in a big market in San Diego, I, I think people sometimes forget about him a little bit. So I'm going to take Telesco number three. Well, Dan ruined my potential strategy <laughs> to just take the three John Carroll guys and be done since I, I knew it. Like Doug, uh, no other really super strong feelings in this draft. But I just think like when I think of Tom Telesco, like the stability he brings, and again, that's an, another name that's going to come up. That's an adjective that comes up with Tom Telesco as well. Um, and obviously the the Justin Herbert pick for me is is an absolute home run, at least right now, <laughs> and and moving on from Phillip Rivers the way they did and, and things like that. So really good pick, Dan. I'm really upset. <laughs> See, I knew I knew he wouldn't swing around to that number seven pick because I, I knew that you were going to jump on him early. And and Dan, talk about different biases that we have. Ashley, of course, would have had the John Carroll bias for this one. Dan has the I interviewed Tom <laughs> Telesco bias and, and really came to like him as a person, right? Then I think that I think that means something. You followed his career after you interviewed him uh, about Andrew Barry, and, and I think that you know a lot about him. So this is an educated pick for you too, which is, there's something to be said for that. But not, once not, again, what? not only did I interview him, by the way, it was while I was driving around Boston while I was on vacation, trying to find something. <laughs> yeah. That's a podcast for another day with, with right? my kids in the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> Our travel, crazy travel um, and writing stories and working stories. Uh, but yeah, I like this pick. Uh, once again, I really like Justin Herbert and when you have the quarterback, everything else is details. And I, I really like the fact uh, that he landed an amazing quarterback that I think he's going to go on to have success. I think they recognize this year uh, that, that they need to tweak some things. But uh, this, this quarterback, Justin Herbert, is, is going to be a force to be reckoned with for many years to come, for the next decade. He's going to be somebody that the Browns are going to have to worry about and everybody else too. So once they tinker and, and get this thing figured out, they have the most important piece and so much to be said for that. You know, what's not a detail making the playoffs. He's made the playoffs <laughs> twice in nine years. This is too high. Like, great. Ooh. You drafted good players. Your team hasn't done anything. Your team's underachieved. He hasn't found a coach. 
Mike McCoy, Anthony Lynn, Brandon Staley. Like I'm not, I'm not impressed with that hiring record. Like I, I, I so he picked Justin Herbert. Like th- there's Brandon Bean has stuff to back. Like they've had success. You can see like what this is, this is their record since Tom Telesco was the GM. Nine and seven, nine and seven, four and 12, five and 11, nine and seven, 12 and four, five and 11, seven and nine, nine and eight. Third, way too high. You got to win. What has he built? He's built a collection of players that haven't won squat. And like everybody would have picked Joey Bosa where he was. Derwin James fell. Everybody would have picked him there. You know, I, I get they have some good young players. Like they, they blew it this year. They choked in the second half of the season with a really good young quarterback. So I don't like it. I, well, I, I did not. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure he's better than Andrew Barry. Like this is, I don't think he's a top eight GM. Well, I, I knocked him down to, um, I had him at number 10 uh, because of the reasons that you're talking about, Doug. But I, I do place a premium. I mean, so I think 10 is, is right for the, the reasons that you just stated. You know, they did blow it this year. They should be, they should have been a playoff team. But if we, if you're approaching this in terms of picking somebody or hiring somebody that you think can build a team, I I do put a a large premium on, on finding the quarterback. And I don't think that that was a, a, an easy quarterback. I would have picked Justin Herbert there. The Dolphins blew it picking Tua. Burrow goes one, Tua goes five. You're picking six. You need a quarterback to replace Phillip Rivers. I think a lot of people would have picked Herbert there. I don't think that was – I don't think it was an Allen-like pick. Okay. So I, th- I, th- I wouldn't – I don't give as much credit for the Herbert pick as I do the Allen pick or the Mahomes pick, for instance. So, like, I have no idea. Why would why is this Chargers guy better than the Chiefs GM? I, I, have, no, I have no idea why. There were, there were a few guys I was considering here. Brett Veach was one of them. I, so I it's because you talked to him. It's because you drove around Boston talking to him I, on the phone <laughs> with your screaming kids. You're like, ah, third. Thanks I, for the I, call, I bro. Just think, I just think from a talent acquisition standpoint, he's done a really good job. And, and he's built a talented team. Um, so I'm sticking by this. I'm taking Tom Telesco third. I'm sticking by it. And oh, my man. team is going to make the playoffs with Tom Telesco as the GM. Don't let Doug bully this pick. Likeability is a factor. Oh, That's just because he went to your college. Listen, you went, you... I've interviewed him too. He is a right. very nice guy. Hey, guess what? I interviewed Sashi Brown. I'm taking him next. <laughs> hey, go for it. You can have that pick. No one will argue that. All right. So Doug goes Sashi Brown. No, Ashley, you're up. <laughs> he would have if he could have. Would have. <laughs> Doug is retroactively picking Sashi at number two. Um. Okay. I... I'm going to go, even though um, this guy's going to be stepping away, I'm going to go with Kevin Colbert here from the Steelers. I mean, talk about stability in terms of a franchise. I mean, I think, again, he's stepping away, but the Steelers are entering a new era. But when you think about this era, you think about finding the ideal guys to put around their key pieces the way that this team has changed over the year as Ben Roethlisberger has aged essentially (laughs) to make that work. Um, And just all the winning seasons and stuff they had, I think he's like one of the most like legendary quote unquote GMs. If we want to use that word, that's still uh, up here. So yeah, I feel okay about this pick in the first round. When you look at some of the picks he's had, and I think this is something that is, 
that helps him that helps his case here. The the Steelers are never bad. Like they never are picking like fourth. You know, just recent draft history, they're 24th. Their first pick in 2020 was 49. They picked 10th in 2019, and that's about as high as you're going to get during his tenure as GM. He's always kind of working with picks that are lower in the draft. They've managed to, you know, one of the moves that stands out to me is the Minka Fitzpatrick trade. Everybody thought they were crazy for making that trade. Ben had just gotten hurt. They trade for Minka. Everybody's thinking that they're giving Miami like a top five pick. They end up going eight and eight that year. It's not as good a pick as everyone thought. And you had a really good player who becomes one of the cornerstones of a really good defense. So there are other guys I would have picked here, but I think Kevin Colbert has done a really great job in Pittsburgh. He, that team has kind of gone in phases from kind of the steel curtain 2.0 to all of a sudden this pass heavy, we're going to throw 5,000 times a season to kind of what they are now, sort of a defense-focused team again. It, I, I think he's been really good at his job. And again, another guy that sort of flies under the radar a little bit. I had Kevin Colbert at um, number seven. I mean, he's consistently really, really good at his job, really knows how to stock a defense. Uh, I mean, look at TJ, the TJ Watt pick. I mean, that's phenomenal. He just won NFL Defensive Player of the Year. One of the things he did was uh, that he has done is he has stuck with Mike Tomlin uh, during times when it seems like other teams probably would have fired him. Uh, and, and he stuck with him. And I, I think that was a very smart move. Uh, you know, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. One thing that I think he did not do well that I, I think he needed to do better was that was to address the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger. I think he dropped the ball on that a little bit and they may have stayed one year or two years too long with, with Ben. I mean, sometimes you can't let emotions get in the way and maybe it, that was more of an organizational thing, but I think they had a good enough team to, to go even maybe perhaps a little bit further in the playoffs this year, had they had the quarterback and now he's not going to, be around to pick the next one. And it's going to be really interesting to see what they do, but I had him at number seven, just because of that, just consistent success, you know, drafting the cam Haywards and just continually it's hard to, to have sustained success. So it's, it's what everybody strives for. I mean, of course, first it's the super bowl, but it's having a chance to get there every year. And they never have like a, you know, three win season. They just don't do that. I mean, you can count on them being tough every single year, and that is hard to do. I think it counts for something, but I had a couple people higher. It's hard because he's retiring, and it's like, oh, if you're about to hire somebody, would you? But, I mean, the track record is so long, um, I think. I wouldn't have had him quite this high, but I, I understand the reasons, actually, why you, why you picked him here. All right, Mary Kay, get us started here in round two. I'll tell you what. After so much talk of my guy during the Telesco pick – I was very worried uh, that Ashley was going to swoop in and steal my man. And I am absolutely so happy that he's here for me at number five. And that is one Brett Veach of the Kansas City Chiefs. If you want to talk about finding a quarterback that other people did not know what they were looking at, you look that up in the dictionary, and there is Brett Veach right there. Maybe even more so than 
our friend Brandon Bean. That's why I had Brett Veach at number two, because not only did you have to identify when other teams, including the Cleveland Browns, were passing on Patrick Mahomes, and a lot of other teams were passing on Patrick Mahomes, uh, you had to really believe that the air raid type of offense was going to, a, a guy coming out of the air raid was really going to succeed in the NFL. You had to believe that this was going to work. And that's when people did not think that that was going to be the case because of recent history with other failures kind of coming out of that type of real spready type system and maybe not being so successful in the NFL. So he had to take a leap of faith. He traded up. He had to trade up and give up good draft capital uh, to get this. And you know what? Look, he may have drafted, you know, the, the best quarterback in the NFL for, for years to come. And they made it to the AFC championship game three times. They made it to two Super Bowls in the last few years with him. Uh, you know, they paired Patrick with Tyreek Hill, which, I mean, my goodness, I'm telling you, I feel like he's almost underrated, right? I mean, he's so good. Well, he didn't, but I mean, he didn't make some of these picks, right? I mean, he, he, he pushed, made Patrick. No, I didn't. Dorsey did. Well, Veach, the, we, no, no, no. I'm the sorry. Story, Let me explain. The story with, no, no, story I know the story. Okay. Yeah. Veach pushed, but he wasn't the, he wasn't the GM. I mean, we just had to make that clear. He, he was not the general manager when the Chiefs picked Patrick Mahomes. No, I know, but, 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 but the important key aspect is he made that pick, de facto made that pick, and they got John Dorsey the hell out of there after that year, okay? Because he didn't really make that pick. So that's no, I just, we have to state for the record, he wasn't the GM. No, that, yes, he fine. gets the credit for it. Yeah. He gets the credit. And Andy Reid will be the first one to tell you that. He may, he found Patrick, he identified Patrick, and he became the GM because he got Patrick. So, yes, we do have to clarify. That is a little bit more nuanced. But it was kind of like, okay, John, you're over there. Brett picked Patrick, and that changed the course of the franchise for the foreseeable future, probably at least the next 12 years or so, if they can manage to keep him. Uh, and that right there is, you know, that's basically the number one thing that you need to know about Brett Beach. He saw something in Patrick that almost no one else did. And it's pretty well documented that, you know, that he was that guy. So uh, if you can do that, then that counts for a ton. I had him at number two, happy to take him at number five. The interesting dynamic here is Brandon Bean traded that pick to John Dorsey and Brett Veach and, and the Chiefs. For the record, I don't think saying the Browns passed on Patrick Mahomes is a thousand percent the right way to say that because they took Miles Garrett. And I think the Browns might have taken Patrick Mahomes at 12 if the Chiefs didn't jump up and get him. I, no. I think they might have been interested. No, but they were not going to do that. They, they were not going to do that. But the other thing they could have done, if they knew what they had in Patrick, they had the number 12 pick. It's pretty damn obvious you could have jumped up and made a trade for Patrick Mahomes if you knew what you were looking at. They didn't pass. They didn't pass on him at number one. They took Miles Garrett to say they passed on him. I don't think is right. They could have. They could have. Was nobody in the league was talking about taking Patrick Mahomes number one? Like nobody. That the was Chiefs not would, a discussion. The Chiefs would have taken him at number one. I absolutely think it's okay to say that they passed on him at number one because 
they did. I mean, you, a, a, a promising quarterback trumps a edge defender any day of the week. And if you know what you're looking at, you take him at number one. They didn't know what they were looking at because there was too much divide in the organization at that time. And they were not on the same page. And they had Mitch Trubisky ranked as their number one quarterback on their board. And they couldn't agree on the quarterback. And so they picked Miles Garrett instead of Mitch Trubisky because there was going to be, you know, I mean, Greg Williams said he was going to take a shotgun to somebody if they didn't do that. But they should have known. I mean, if Brett Veach can know, then they should have known. But they didn't know because their coach and their general manager were at horrible odds. And, and they, they, they did not. They did not know what they were looking at. And I do hold them accountable for that. I absolutely do. And if they did know what they were looking at, they would have had every opportunity to go up and make a trade to get them because they had plenty of draft capital to do that. They just didn't know. They did not know what they were looking at, at him or Deshaun Watson. Well, Deshaun Watson, they chose not to pick. They could have picked Deshaun Watson. They could have picked Pat. They, they could not have picked Patrick Mahomes at 12 because he was gone. So. I, I think at one or trade it up for, I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong to say they passed at number one because the, uh, like 95% of the league would have taken miles Garrett at number one. And, and a lot of people didn't see, I'm not taking, no. I think Brett Veach deserves a lot of credit. I think to go through life saying the Browns passed on Patrick Mahomes at number one. I mean, they, they, they passed on every single player in the league. They didn't pick at number one because they picked, they picked an all pro defensive end. So I think it's the way we use the word pass. I, I, I don't, They've made a ton of draft mistakes over the years. Um, I don't think taking Miles Garrett number one there is like a, a mistake in the way a lot of other things. That have, if they had taken a guy who sucked, the Bears blew it. The Bears traded up from three to two to take Patrick, to take Mitch Trubisky when Patrick Mahomes took a guy at the same position. They passed on Patrick Mahomes. I, I just think, I think that was, that was uh, I don't view it that way. I don't view it that I way. I do, and I always will. And that's fine. And we'll always have to agree to disagree on that but I do view it that way. I mean, I was talking to a lot of people about Patrick Mahomes that year. And I had, I had a number of people telling me what they thought Patrick was that year. Um, and if, if, if he was, if he is even close to what some of the people that I was talking to were saying, then go grab him at number 10 yourself. Don't let somebody else do it. And I do think that if, if Brett Veach can know what he is, and they would have taken him number one overall. I asked John Dorsey that. He said, we absolutely would have taken him number one overall that year. If they were smart enough to figure it out, then the Browns should have figured it out that year. They were just too dysfunctional to, to do it. I mean, you, a edge rusher never trumps a quarterback. So I'm, I'm comfortable with that. And I'm fine. That, I mean, like, we just will have to disagree on that. I will always feel like they should have known what they were looking at at Patrick and Deshaun that year. And, and I think it's not this isn't just a Browns discussion. This is the Bears, the 49ers, the Jaguars, the Titans, the Jets, the Chargers, the Panthers, the Bills. You know, we, we can say we love Josh Allen. Cincinnati picked John Ross at number nine. You know, we, we can talk about how much we love Josh Allen, but I guarantee you if Brandon Bede could go back in time, he would have just taken Patrick Mahomes and not traded that pick. Right. So, you know, I, we, we can make the case the Browns passed on him. At the same time, you know, it's not just a Browns discussion. It, it, it's bigger than that as well, because there were a whole bunch of other teams. You know, I know that um, 
Sean Payton really wanted him at number 11. He's, he's said that before. Um, they were really hoping that the Bills were just going to pass on him instead of the Chiefs coming up and, and stealing him at number 10. Um, so there's a lot of teams that should feel bad about how that draft went down, uh, one through 10. But the good news for the Browns is they did at least draft a Hall of Famer um, in his place. The, the primary point that Brett Veach deserves a lot of credit for Patrick Mahomes is 100%. Like, that's the best thing that he'll ever do or ever could do because he obviously, as you said, Mark was the driving force of that. He did inherit Kelsey. He did inherit Hill. You run through, like, Brett Veach's picks since then. You know, they're not very high picks. Not a gazillion home runs, right, which is fine. But when their offensive line stunk, they rebuilt the offensive line for this season. He has continued – to put a generational quarterback in situations to succeed. Um, it is a little interesting because, you know, they have one Super Bowl in an era when they've been like the best team in the league, probably for four years. And they've, they've hit a couple roadblocks. It doesn't mean you, you know, that there's something wrong with the chiefs, but I do think Brett Veach probably needs to do like make another move or two to help get them back over the top. But, you know, again, they, they've brought in a lot of good players, Frank Clark, Tyron Matthew, like he, he's filled in with some veterans, a lot of the ways the Rams had to help get them over the top. So, um, but that he, I mean, you can read all the stories about Brett Veach being the guy who fell in love with Patrick Mahomes and got everybody else on board. And he saw it when other people didn't. So that whole discussion is going to make you picking Sashi Brown here. Pretty awkward, Doug. So, I mean, I do think that you look at the way Emmanuel Ogba has played recently. We <laughs> talked about him on a recent podcast. That, hey, he could be an edge rusher. The Browns were interested now. Coming back around, that's a second-round pick. No, I'm not going to do that, obviously. <laughs> the uh, um, This is getting into a zone where, you know, I even more don't know what I'm talking about than usual. So I'm going to take a guy who as honestly has not been probably great lately, but he had an extraordinary run for a while. He has been doing it for a long time. He's only 50 years old. And I feel like if I was hiring this guy for my franchise, I would think he might need a little bit of a change of scenery. He might've run its course where he is. And I like the overall track record. So I'm going to take John Schneider from Seattle who, you know, when we talk about alignment, when we talk about GM and coach linking up Schneider and Pete Carroll, we took Pete Carroll too low in the coach draft. So I'm probably taking the GM too high in this draft, but the run where he built the Legion of boom and whether it was genius or luck with Russell Wilson in the third round, they built a Super Bowl champion and they have made the playoffs basically every year up until this season. And a lot of that is on the back of Russell Wilson, who again, Third round, I mean, Josh Allen and, and identifying Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and then doing what you have to do to go get those guys, that's one thing. Russell Wilson in the third round, you know, they had signed Matt Flynn, who has been a Green Bay backup and gave him a bunch of free agent money. They thought he was the quarterback, and then Russell Wilson beat him out in camp, and away we went. So I don't know what that is, but it was on his watch. And then Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor and everybody else on that defense you know, DK Metcalf lately, Tyler Lockett, you know, they've made some other good picks. They haven't been picking super high, uh, but they've been a consistent winner for a long time. And I, I just think if I'm hiring him, I'm going to look at the best of what he's done and be really excited about that. And he's been doing it in Seattle since 2010. And, you know, for the fighting camels of Doug Maurice, I might need a guy. I'll get the best out of John Schneider when I hire him. Yeah. I, I like John Schneider. Um, he, he's, 
done a good job keeping that team in contention, uh, coach and GM uh, alignment. Probably not the guy I would have picked here. Um, any other thoughts on, on John Schneider, Ashley, or Mary Kay? Or we can move on. Well, I just think, t- you know, taking, as Doug mentioned, though, taking a, a quarterback like Russell in the, uh, in the third round, I mean, that's just, that's remarkable. So you get a lot, a lot of points for that. I had him lower, um, but once again, that's probably because of this season. You know, you just forget mm-hmm. all the great that he has done, and he has been amazing. There's a few guys I like here, and there's one guy I'm, I just don't want to take him because I don't want to hear Doug rant about Carson Wentz. So I'm not going to take this guy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and if we're being honest, I think that's part of the evaluation of him too at, at mm. this point. Uh, but I think I'm going to go with Eric DaCosta here. Oh, see, I'm having trouble. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Eric DaCosta here. <laughs> I think he just kind of knows what he wants to do. Um, you know, that's an organization that is really, you know, they, they went from Ozzie Newsome now to Eric DaCosta. Again, doesn't hit on every pick, but knows what he wants to build. And realistically, like Ashley, the way that they brought in Lamar Jackson and just sort of remade that team around him, you know, and look, he got lucky with Lamar. They even passed on Lamar Jackson. But then he came back around and he picked him at the end of the first round. And they decided that we're going to build this team to make Lamar Jackson successful. It's going to be unconventional. It's going to be weird. We're going to make it work. They turn him into an MVP. I I think that speaks to how good Eric DaCosta is at his job. And again, another sort of analytics-driven front office, kind of what the Browns want to be and, and, and are trending towards. I've got to go Eric DaCosta here and there aren't a lot of other guys that I'm passing on in this spot. Yeah. I had him on my list for my next pick, depending on what you did, Dan. Got you again. So so you (laughs) scooped me once again. Um, But yeah, you know, we talked, Scott Patsko's not on here, but I'll bring up again, the, the fact that before Lamar was drafted, people are asking him if he should actually be a wide receiver instead. So this goes back to guys seeing something in a quarterback and sticking with their guns. Um, and I know even before we got on this pod, we talked, some of his picks have been weird. I mean, I, I, if you're waffling a little bit on taking him, I understand why. Um, but two, defensively, I wanted to bring up because when I was doing some quick research, if I had to take him <laughs> in that 2019 season, making that trade for Marcus Peters to kind of fortify their defense and the way they finished that season so strongly, he ended up winning um, executive the year in the spring of 2020. So, um, yeah, I don't hate this pick here. I'm curious to see what Doug's going to do. You know, Eric DaCosta learned so much from Ozzie Newsome. He's so good at his job. He, you know, this is just such a sound, solid organization. Uh, they've had to adjust. They're going to have to adjust again. Now they don't have, uh, Martindale who's been so tremendous for that, for that defense, they had to try to hold it together this year. Uh, And the only reason why they were able to have the success that they did and to make it all the way to, you know, the last few weeks of the season and still have an opportunity to win the division is because they're, you know, they're such a good organization. I mean, I don't know of any organization that went through what they did this year in terms of, of injuries. I mean, it was just a, 
disaster. Uh, so I really like, I really like him a lot. I like the Ravens organization. I like the fact that he stuck with John Harbaugh. I mean, think of the fact that, um, there've been several years where people think that's it. John Harbaugh's washed up and he's done and it's time for him to go. And they, they, you know, he stuck by him. And I, I think that's, I think that's important. So I had him at, uh, at number six, I love what they've, um, you know, I love what they've done with building around Lamar and um, and putting together a sustainable franchise that you know each year if they're healthy enough uh, that they're going to be right in the thick of it. So I like him here. And by the way, um, Eric DaCosta now will be working with Sashi Brown. And you know what I've come to find out, though, and I don't know if I, I, I put this into the story when I wrote it. Um, originally, when they announced that Sashi was replacing Dick Cass as president of the Ravens, they put coaching and personnel under his jurisdiction. And then they emailed me like an hour later and said, oops, never mind. Take that out. No coaching, no football decisions. This is all business. Side for they Sashi. said it's like the the Sashi and DaCosta and Harbaugh all report to the owner directly, but those guys do not report to Sashi. Like they're all in their own silos. Right. So he's way more business than than football, which originally when I saw that it was coaching slash personnel, I thought, wow, this is like, you know, this is very football oriented. But uh, it, it is it turns out that it is absolutely not that or at least heading into it yeah they're saying that it's not that all right ashley you're up at number eight. Ooh, okay um i'm going to pick andrew berry here i feel okay with this um i think when you're talking about in general i think there are obviously still some big organizational questions that he has to answer first of all at quarterback but i think given what we saw last year from him in the draft alone and nailing those first two picks, even though there are still questions about his first draft class. Um, obviously he became the youngest GM, I think in history when the Browns hired him uh, in known history anyway. Um, and I know like the plan was, and I know Mary Kay's talked about this before, like when he left to go to Philadelphia, the plan kind of, they always wanted him back. It sounded like, and they did. And I think he still has more to prove, but I think when you're talking about if I am trying to bring in somebody, um, I would like his kind of stabilizing energy. And I am excited, I think, to see what he's going to do in these coming years. And I think overall, when we talk about some of the heavy hitters in the Browns, whether it's Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Berry, uh, Baker Mayfield, some of those big names, and again, kind of going off of our drafts, he's the guy of those three that I still, I think, have the most confidence in. So I think this is a good spot with it for him here. I'm very happy to take him at number eight. It's a good spot too, because we're really dragging here. We needed, <laughs> to, we needed to get to Andrew Berry fast. I've, I feel like this is an upside pick. I, I think there's guys on the board you know, is Andrew Barry a better GM right now, a more accomplished GM right now than Chris Ballard or Brian Gutekunst or Howie Roseman? Uh, you know, there's some other guys on here, but the, that, that's kind of the list that I'm, that I'm looking at right now is guys that I would have taken if this would have been my pick and Barry would have been in the mix. 
And I, and I feel like this is a pick where, you know, he might not have be as accomplished as those guys, but he's certainly trending in that direction. And if we're hiring a guy to build a roster, you're kind of betting on not just what we've seen, but also on the, the continued upside there. Yeah, I think this is a good spot. I think this is a good spot for Andrew. Like I, I agree with, um, you know, with Dan and I agree with you, Ashley. So this is a little bit of an upside pick because Andrew Barry is at a crossroads in his career this year. Okay. This off season, and maybe not until next off season, but he really has to figure out the quarterback situation. It's vitally important. Uh, and the future of the franchise depends on it because they're built to win now and they've done a really nice job. I mean, he put together a really nice defense this year and they thought they had put together a great offense to go along with it. And this was the year that they were supposed to take their prize pig to the fair and see what he could do. But um, now uh, he is at a very pivotal point because, you know, that first round pick and we're all doing, you know, kind of mock drafts that first round pick, he's got to figure out, you know, do you F those picks or do you, <laughs> or, you know, or do you, you know, do you hang on to them and, and take somebody there? You know, what, what, what are you going to do? What, you know, who are you? And this is where he's going to make uh, a very crucial and pivotal decision. And he's good at his job. We know that because you cannot uh, get this team into the playoffs and almost beat the Chiefs in your first year unless unless you're good at your jobs. I mean, you have to be good to get to that point. They had to do a lot. He had to hire Kevin Stefanski. He had to do all kinds of things for them to achieve what they did, include, including building the offensive line so that Baker Mayfield could be successful, so that the running game could do what it needed to do. Um, but he's on the hot seat. I mean, not on the hot seat. He's on the clock right now to get the quarterback thing right. And, and this is where we're going to find out this offseason a whole lot about Andrew Berry. It feels a little high to me, but we're going 12 deep, right? Because we're each drafting three GMs. I, right. I, I'm sure he would have been picked, right? I mean, I think he's, especially for our collective group, I don't know, he's one of the top 12 GMs in the league. I think that's, I think that's legitimate. Um, he did inherit, it's the weird thing about John Dorsey. It's like John Dorsey at yeah. both Kansas City and the Browns, when he got ushered out, left some nice players behind mm -hmm. I, like like cap management overall team structure all that kind of stuff probably not as great as it could have been but andrew barry had miles garrett and denzel ward and nick chubb um and guys like that waiting for him which was really nice now jack conklin and john johnson the third and some of the targeted free acquisition agent acquisitions really good i think he gets a lot of credit mary kate like for the, the way he played the clowny situation to, to weigh that, I don't know that every GM, especially right in a world where there was a time when Clowney had no interest in coming here and they waited out and they get a really good player on a really good deal for the team. And that felt like GM maneuvering that not everybody would be able to do. So I thought that seemed very skilled to me, but he hasn't had to figure out quarterback yet. And, and I think that hanging out there as I'm getting ready to hire some guy, uh, the evaluation on Baker and then the decision, and if it's not him, then who is, as we said, some of the other guys that we picked have already been involved on. Yep, good QB, good QB, good QB. So I have probably two guys on my list that I would have taken still ahead of Andrew Barry, but I absolutely think he deserves top 12. And so to pick him at eight um, seems on the high end of reasonable. 
I, I will say too, just because it didn't come up explicitly, but the other thing for me, obviously, is recognizing the strengths of this offense and obviously getting the Nick Chubb extension done and then not screwing around this year and extending both of your guards essentially back to back. Like I, I think I, when we talk about following the money, really smart moves and not kind of letting that hang over the team. We just talked about how Les Snead did it a little bit differently. I don't know if three years from now, Andrew Barry will be a genius or if he'll be the guy who spent a gazillion dollars on guards. <laughs> and people will be like, what was that? So. Well, I'm going to you know, be an optimist. I will, Doug, I will trade you my last pick for nothing. So you can take John Dorsey and Sashi Brown, though, if you really want. As a combo package, I get every former Brown. I'll throw, throw Ray Farmer in, too, as the former GM <laughs> to be named later. I'll take all three of those guys, like 28th in this draft. Okay. And my prize is not having to make a pick at 12 because I don't <laughs> want to. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that, that you know, I think the jury is still out a little bit on, on some of the drafting. I mean, you really can't completely grade a draft till about three years in. So we don't know 100% how some of the draft picks are going to work out. It really looks like they nailed Greg Newsom and JOK from 2022. Those guys look really, really good. And it looks like, you know, he found some gems in the sixth round in Donovan Peoples-Jones and Demetra Felton. But if we go back to 2020, uh, number 10 overall pick, Jed Wills, I think Jed Wills still has to prove himself a little bit. So we want to keep an eye on that one. Um, and, you know, some of the third round guys, because you want your first, second, and third rounders to ultimately end up being starters. That's what, where you're going with that. Uh, so, we, you know, we, you want to see how uh, Jordan – Elliot and Jacob Phillips are going to pan out from, from last year. Um, Doug, I know you've had uh, major issues with Anthony Schwartz. And I think we've come to this perception that we think that like, I think that Anthony Schwartz is going to be the greatest thing since I, but I have no idea. I mean, like I like speed. I don't know what he's going to be. No, nobody knows what he's going to be. Uh, so the jury is still out on him for sure. And that's, you know, that's high. I mean, third round is high if that doesn't pan out. Um, so I think there are, you know, there are some draft things that we still have to look at. Um, but I think, and I will say this, I think they kind of overestimated the receiver room this year and didn't anticipate that perhaps they ran it back a little too long with Jarvis and Odell, not that they could do much about it, uh, they really couldn't do much about Odell because they couldn't trade him in the offseason and they were on the books for a bunch of money. But um, but the receiver room left a lot to be desired. And then the way that the Odell situation was handled, um, I mean, I don't know. Did he have to go? Did he absolutely have to go on November 5th? Or could they have said, keep your mouth shut tell your father to keep his hands off the keyboard and go out and play some freaking football because we have a chance to go to the playoffs this year and we need our X receiver. So you and Baker get your act together and figure it out. Jeez, I know what it's like to be one of Mary Kay's kids now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they should have I wish people Mary could Kay. see Wave. this Zoom. 
They, they should have listened to Mary Kay way back when, when we were doing all those Odell pods in the thick of it. And just get, get Odell, get Jarvis Landry, get Baker, get Kevin Stefanski in a room and work it out. Mary Kay could even bring some of her green bean casserole. You know, along those lines, when, when you were talking about those picks, Mary Kay, I, I think this is the, the other test. And we talked about this with like Les Snead and, and some other GMs. You got to be able to fix it. Like we've, he's been able to fix obvious issues, but like, okay, you pick Jordan Elliott in the third round. If he's not good enough, are you willing to kind of write him off and go get, you know, we were talking about Devonte Wyatt on, on our, um, on our pod the other day. You know, are you willing to go a different direction than a defensive tackle and say, Hey, you know what? I messed up. I shouldn't have picked Jordan Elliott. See you later, but I'm going to fix this. And you guys aren't even going to care that I messed up picking Jordan Elliott because I'm going to fix that problem. And it's going to be somebody better. Um, that, that's kind of the next test here for, for Andrew Barry. All right. By the way, I just, oh, now that ahead. we did Andrew Barry, I, I like Dan complaining that our GM draft pod was too boring. It's a <laughs> GM draft and it was your idea. And we had a Sashi Brown fight and a Patrick Mahomes fight. We're trying to make it interesting, Dan. And you're like, oh, this John Schneider discussion is boring me. Let's pick Barry. Like, Dan, Dan, my God. What, what do you want us to do? It's front office. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> say it was boring. I'm just saying it took us, this is like the real NFL draft. It took us like an hour to get through eight picks. I oh. have a good pick for 12 now though, that I do want to make. Oh, see? A, a joke. Oh, I'll trade you back. <laughs> I'm trading you back to pick Ashley. It'll Things be irrelevant. Around here. It'll uh, be wait, irrelevant at 12 anyway. Well, we're still on the Andrew Berry discussion. I think you also, we also have to take a look at things like, um, like Austin Hooper. I mean, was that a good signing for that amount of money and, or would he have been a better tight end if Baker had been healthy this year? I mean, so I think, I think that's still, you know, some of these things are still uh, out hanging out there are, you know, were these good moves or not good moves? And I don't think we will know for sure for another couple of years. Okay. We're going to take a break and then we're going to do our final four picks here. And we are back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast, wrapping up our GM draft. Mary Kay, you are up at number nine. All right, you guys are going to hammer away at me for this one, but I'm doing it anyway. Um, I'm going to go with Jason Light from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, first of all, he took a chance on, on Bruce Arians when everybody else thought he was too old. Um, and so I, I think that was pretty good. I think Bruce deserved a chance to be a head coach. Then he went out and acquired Tom Brady. And I, once again, I do put a premium on the quarterback situation and he rolled the dice on him and he went out and, and, and he got him and he has a Lombardi trophy to show for it. And I just think that, you know, that's the ultimate goal and he was able to achieve it. And he's done some things that are not great, including signing Antonio Brown. Okay. So that was weird, but, um, but for the most part, he got this team, a super bowl, he got Tampa, a super bowl, and he got the goat to come there and it worked out fine. And I think he deserves to be in the top 10. I think this is a great pick. I was going to pick him. If you didn't, I think he should be ahead of Andrew Barry. He built a super bowl team that Tom Brady could drop into. And he did it with some really good picks. He did it with Tristan Wirfs and Antoine Winfield and Mike Evans 
and Devin White, right? He really hit on some key guys because even a great quarterback can't win it all by himself. The Leonard Fournette signing halfway through that year, right? I mean, he, yes, Brady made it happen, but he pieced every other part of it together. And again, when I said I had two guys that I definitely still would have ahead of Barry, this guy was next. And the only reason I maybe wasn't going to take him is because I wasn't sure how to pronounce his last name. So I'm glad you took it. <laughs> And, you know, so. truth, truth be known, and you guys can't see this because we're not doing video or anything today, but I had him at number three. I had Jason Light at number three behind Les Snead and Brett Veach. So I had him very high for assembling a Super Bowl team and winning it. Yeah, when uh, Mary Kay, when you were worried about us um, bullying your number one pick in terms of recency bias with Les Snead, like <laughs> this was the other guy I was thinking of. And exactly what Doug said that Tom Brady could drop into that team and they win a Super Bowl. I mean, that's impressive regardless of some of these other, you know, misses, like you pointed out, Mary Kay, especially the Antonio Brown thing, but you can't really argue with that. That was a really good job by him. So I like this pick actually. I, I will admit here that I have avoided putting players in mock drafts or talking about players in drafts because I just can't figure out how to say their name. <laughs> So I'm and, glad, Doug, I'm glad you said that because now I feel like I've been heard. I feel like, okay, <laughs> I must not be alone in this. There must be others who avoid things because they just can't say someone's name. There's a C in his last name and it's pronounced light. What are we supposed to do? <laughs> well, Doug, you can Love avoid it. that problem here. Uh, I'm going to assume that you're not going to pick Green Bay's GM here with, with this pick as well. <laughs> Number that's, 10. That's, that is too real. That is, that is too real. Uh, so I'll take the last guy that I had on my list. Um, and I think I would take this guy ahead of Andrew Barry. And there's one particular reason. And I want to make sure I have the reasoning right on this. Do I? Yeah, I do. I'm going to take Chris Ballard from the Colts. I assume, Dan, you were probably going to take him if I didn't take him. Uh, yeah, he was on my list. So I know it's the Carson Wentz shouting. He had a franchise quarterback and Andrew Luck retired. And like he's had to deal with that ever since. And so they, you know, tried Jacoby Brissett. They tried Philip Rivers. They tried Carson Wentz. He keeps trying. And I admire trying and not settling at the quarterback position. And in the meantime, he took Darius Leonard in the second round. Two years ago, he took Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor in the second round. They had a terrible offensive line issue at one point in time with the Colts. He took Quentin Nelson at number six a couple of years ago. I think he has built a lot of good things in Indy while desperately still trying to fill the hole that Andrew Luck blew in this franchise. That, that Who would have seen that coming? They thought they were set for another eight years. So he has a great reputation. He comes off that Dorsey tree. When he got hired in Indy, everybody thought it was a great hire. You know, have they been the most successful team in the league since he got there? He got there in 2017. They've made the playoffs twice in five years. They absolutely choked this year on the last weekend of the regular season to miss the playoffs. But I feel like the quarterback thing's not his fault. And if, and if Andrew Luck had stayed, I think the Colts would be quite good. And this guy might be viewed as a top five GM. So I, I kind of like him take it, taking him at 10 here. Has dealt with the really weird stuff. The Andrew Luck thing, like you mentioned, but Josh McDaniels, that situation where he took the job and then didn't take the job and they had assistance in house. So he ends up going and getting Frank Reich. And 
you know, this is the this is the weird thing about doing this, right? How much of some of these decisions are on the GM? How much are on the owner? How much are on the coach? I mean, I'm sure Frank Reich said, yes, I can make it work with Carson Wentz because I made it work in Philly. So, you know, some of that stuff gets a little squishy. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, Chris Ballard is one of the – again, if I was building a team, Chris Ballard would be near the top of my list of guys that I would want to hire. I have somebody that I would have – here and I won't say it until we get done. Um, but uh, but I, I do like Chris Ballard a lot. I really I really like him um, uh, for all the reasons that you mentioned. I uh, again I like good defense and he's put together a really really nice defense. He's drafted really well and you're right he has a lot to had a lot to overcome. I mean the Carson Wentz thing I think you get you need to get knocked down a little bit for that. I mean, you need to know what you're looking at there. And he was such an abject failure previously that you had to question that. But, um, but I like him here. This is, this is not bad. Like I said, I have somebody that I would have put ahead of him. And you guys may agree or disagree with me. We'll see. And this is the opposite of the Brandon Bean pick for me because I just got to enjoy Mary Kay calling Carson once an abject failure. So I love this pick <laughs> even more now. Doug, I'll, I'll send you that clip. Thank you. I'll make it my <laughs> ringtone. <laughs> okay, so so here we are kind of, you know, this is my last pick. There's, there's people I could make a case for here just based on talent acquisition and things like that. But again, going to go i think this guy deserves credit for what he's done and what he's built he's been at it for a long time he's not technically the gm because it's a place where they have a really weird structure but he works somewhere with a lot of restrictions doesn't have the resources that a lot of other people have and has built kind of two eras of good football teams in his time running this team's personnel department so again not technically the gm but I'm going to give Duke Tobin a little love here. I think he's done a great job in Cincinnati. I mean, we just did a whole series about how Cincinnati built that offense uh, around, you know, before Joe Burrow even arrived, how they were able to build that. Look, we also just had a discussion about how they took John Ross over Patrick Mahomes. So he's made his mistakes. I I just think he's done a really nice job uh, kind of under difficult circumstances some place where they don't spend a lot of money on person on the personnel department. Again, built two really good teams, a team that won AFC North titles, never won a playoff game, but then now a team that's gone to the Super Bowl and is in that discussion now and is going to be in that discussion every year for like, this team has a chance to get back to the Super Bowl. So we're going to give Duke Tobin a little love here. You know what, Dan, I wrote him down for you right here. You can see it. I wrote him down for you before you started talking. Okay. Duke Tobin, <laughs> Duke Tobin is who I would have put ahead of Chris Ballard. And for a lot of the reasons that, that you mentioned, I mean, it getting to the Super Bowl counts for a lot. It counts for a lot. And they didn't get there, you know, necessarily by accident. I mean, they definitely had some luck along the way, but they had to, um, they had to go out. I mean, they drafted, you know, they, they signed Trey Hendrickson. They signed Larry Ogunjobi, who had a really nice season. You have to have the quarterback uh, receiver combo. And I think that's so vitally important anymore. And they, they drafted Jamar Chase. 
And I just think that there's a lot of other things that they could have done with that number one pick in 2021. And, you know, people may have thought, you know, protect your quarterback and they do need to protect their quarterback. That's vitally important. And they're going to have to get that figured out this off season. But you also have to have QB wide receiver combo going on. And he did that. And, and Trey Hendrickson was a, was a great sign. And again, some of the other things that they've done. So they put together a nice receiving core, something that the, the Browns wish that they had right now. And I like that. And getting the Super Bowl counts for a lot. So I would have put him one up, but I'd like him here. Yeah, I was going to say, again, this is like a pick that recency bias is, is kind of okay with me. And obviously, we know the Bengals are not perfect. There are a lot of position groups where we think the Browns are downright better than the Bengals or at least evenly matched. Um, but I think when you look at the way this team, despite its faults, especially its offensive line, which is something they have to improve, um, the way they were able to put points on the board and the way that ultimately helped them reach the Super Bowl, it doesn't, it's not for nothing, I guess. Okay. Last pick here, Ashley. You're up. You've got it back after okay. after taking away that trade. Well, I'll tell you the joke I was going to make after I actually pick somebody real. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with John Robinson here from Tennessee, um, the guy who drafted Derrick Henry. He's been there a while. I know he's viewed generally favorably given their success during his tenure here. Um, the Derrick Henry, Henry pick is big for me, obviously bringing in Ryan Tannehill and recognizing that that is a guy who could thrive here despite some previous issues. Um, and there hasn't been, even like looking at this year, the fact that they were still the number one seed despite not having Derrick Henry. Um, I'm okay with getting this guy here, even though they maybe haven't made it as far in the playoffs as those, the fans of the Titans would have liked, I'm sure. Um, I think those some of those moves that have allowed them to get to this point, I'm, I'm a fan of, and he just got a contract extension. So I will take him with last pick. And one of the few kind of new England guys that has, yeah, I mean, it's weird. They've kind of managed in Tennessee to be one of the, the few places where that new England connection has, has worked successfully. He's done a good job. You can point to, you know, Jack Conklin, right. Uh, traded up to get him back in 2016. That was one of his first picks might've been his very first pick. Um, A.J. Brown, a great pick in the second round. He's one of the best receivers in football when he's healthy. So, and, you know, the, the whole Ryan Tannehill, Marcus Mariota situation and, and the way they handled that. And they ended up getting a guy that isn't perfect, isn't going to get him to the Super Bowl, but he did get them the number one seed. They at least have something at quarterback right now until they can find that permanent fix. So, uh, yeah, John Robinson was on my, my kind of short list here as well. Yeah, I had him right around here as well. Um, I might have, I might have also thought about John Lynch here because there's some, there are some things that I like about uh, John Lynch and the way that he's he's put that team together. But you know, we'll, we'll still have to see. I mean, the jury is out on if they made the right move with trading up for Trey Lance and how they are handling their quarterback situation. But for the mar- for the most part, I kind of like where John Lynch is going uh, with that team. But these guys are, you know, very close. There's now this group that I think we all could have picked one of four or five guys and put them in here. 
that was the other person I was thinking of between the two of them to mm-hmm. get number 12. Bill Belichick went one in our coach draft and not in the top 12 in our <laughs> well, G- I'll tell you, draft. I'll tell you what kind of kept me from the page. That situation is just so weird. That kind of like, I, I was just like, I don't really know what to do with this. So and, I, mean, and I, don't, I, I don't disagree. Good. No, you're right. Right. That's, I mean, I think he's the GM, but yeah, I don't, I don't but know it's that like, he yeah, deserves the, it. The, the Nick Casario involvement, the Dave Ziegler involvement. And again, like jury very much out on Nick Casario still, I think. And then obviously Dave Ziegler hasn't been, you know, with the Raiders to, to make any moves long enough yet. So I, I'm very curious. Like that's what I think overall kept me from kind of taking any of those people because I'm like, I don't really know that we know who's responsible for what in all of this. Yeah, Bill had a really good offseason this last time, spent some money, kind of made that team better. But prior to that, he had a long stretch where there were a lot of misses, and and that roster really kind of went in the wrong direction in a lot of ways. Um, So had we done this five years ago, ten years ago, Bill might have been number one. And maybe he's working his way back towards that. And I, I think he won the PFWA Executive of the Year didn't get my vote for it, but I think he did win that. Um, But yeah, I'm not surprised that Bill didn't go. Honestly, there's a few names on here that I could say, Oh, I'm surprised that guy didn't go, but Bill honestly, isn't one of them. I actually had Bill Belichick at number five, just because (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, you know, I mean, I have him here. Like I had Les Snead, Brett Veach, Jason Light, Brandon Bean and Bill Belichick in my top five, I put Bill Belichick check in the top five, just because of who he is and what he can do. And if you were actually starting a team and trying to hire somebody that could assemble a good roster, I, I just think that, you know, that, that he has to be in consideration pretty high just for what he's able to do. And one of the things I think he does better than anybody is he'll find a role for a player or he'll have a role that he needs and he'll go out and find the player and he'll plug him into the role that he has. And I, he's just so great at it, talent evaluation and the dual role, which is so hard. I mean, to be the GM and the head coach, um, he's Bill Belichick. So I just think he's, you know, he's great at both of his jobs. And so because of who he is and what he's accomplished, I put him at number five. A few names that didn't go, just to throw them out there. Uh, Brian Gutekunst, who uh, we mentioned. Doug, I should have made you say that one uh, in Green Bay. Howie Roseman did not go. Uh, Belichick, we talked about. John Lynch, we talked about. Um, nobody wanted to take on the Dallas Cowboys setup with Jerry Jones. Look, they've drafted some. They, they've added a bunch of talent, but man, I don't know that anybody wanted to deal with that in uh, in starting their organization. But I think we got uh, pretty much everybody on this list. There aren't too many outliers or, or guys that we just did not pick that maybe we should have. Mickey Loomis. Uh, but yeah, good job, everybody. We made it. Mary Kay, out of curiosity, if, if you made a full list, wh- where was Andrew Barry like on, on your list? I had Andrew Barry at number 12. Okay. So he would have gone. He would have gone in our, our draft, yeah, for sure. I had him at number 12. Yep. And I went back and forth. I. You know what? I, I have him 12. I don't have like an official big board, but I do have him as the 12th name on my list. So he was sort of in that range. Yeah. And I went back and forth 10, 11, 12. I, I had him somewhere in that neighborhood, but I ultimately ended up with him 
at number 12. And about where you create the discussion and take him eighth. <laughs> Is that about where you had him, Doug? I had seven guys that were my top seven and he wasn't in that. So I think I would have ended up with him somewhere between eight and 12. So for Ashley to take him at eight and you guys to have mm -hmm. him at 12, right. I mean, I think we're all in the same range. Yeah, I think so. How about you, Dan? Yeah, I had him, I didn't have like an official one through, but just on the list of names I had, he, I had him, he was the 12th name on my list. I might've taken him above one or two guys that I had on that list above him, but. And it's the court. And once again, everything begins and ends with the quarterback. And so I think that's why I had him there at number 12. It's like, show me what you can do at quarterback. And then we'll go from there. Okay, there we go. Our GM draft is in the books. We made it. Did it. We should all be very proud of ourselves uh, for that. Uh, if you're not subscribed to the Under Brown Talk podcast, I don't, first of all, I don't even know how you're listening to us, but you should get subscribed to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to your podcasts. And of course, you should be a football insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns, blue banner at the top of the page. Doug, Mary Kay, and Ashley, I will talk to you all later.